afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Overtime, which is our weekly podcast where we get to do a little bit deeper dive into the weekend message. We're so glad that you're joining us, whether you're catching us live, uh, in person, thanks so much for joining us, or if you're watching this afterwards, thanks again for joining us. We really hope that this is something that challenges you and encourages you in your faith. Um, as always, we want to encourage you to send us your questions for any uh, thoughts that you have regarding the message, or if it's just simply questions that you're walking through and you would like somebody to kind of weigh in on them. That's kind of what this podcast is about. We'll be happy to weigh in on your questions and problems in life. <laughs> so we are glad that you're joining us. Um, we do have several questions that we're going to get to today, but what we wanted to do first is kind of highlight our Easter services coming up. We're pretty excited on Easter, which I want to get the date correct. We are three weeks out, something like that. Yeah. Uh, Fifth, fourth. Yeah. Fourth. So it is April 4th of this year. So it's about three weeks from now, April 4th. We are going to be having three services. Two of those, and this is a little bit of a different change than our normal yeah. pace, but two of those services will be live and you'll have the ability to be in person in our parking lot, or you can also watch them online. So first is at nine o'clock, we've got kind of our normal service, the way that we do that. You can come into the sanctuary, you can do the drive-in, you can catch that live. Also then at 11 o'clock, normally we do like an online option at 1045, but for Easter, we're going to be doing a special outdoor service that you can be a part of. Part of this is weather contingent, like that might change a little bit of the plans, but we're going for outdoor service, drive-in at 11 o'clock on that April uh, 5th, what did we say? April 4th, 4th um, of 2021. So we're excited for that. And then also just the online option will be at five o'clock on that 4th as well. So those are kind of our Sunday offerings. We've got several other, other things planned, kind of community events, yeah. and kids events that are going to be happening that I'm sure we'll let you know probably next, next Thursday, week. next Thursday yeah. on the vision update. Third right. Thursday, you'll hear that. That's right. Yeah, lots of fun. So, so excited, so excited. A, there's a lot going on. Easter is always kind of a, a busy and an exciting time of year where we get to celebrate what Christ has done. So, uh, yeah, was there anything else that I was missing? We're, we're, we were going to talk about uh, the album. Yes, the so album. That was Christian the other comes thing. in here, producer Christian. He's, he's playing with the camera. Yeah, we Usually it means we did something wrong. He wants to talk about his music that was masterfully produced <laughs> by Eric Tether. So if From you, Tether Studios. Courtesy. Is that as actually the name of this, or you I, just made I, that up? He just made that up. Well, if you did not hear, we are excited to announce that the CLC worship team has actually put together um, cover songs to actually a full album <laughs> I hear cover songs. that you can find. Like Guns N' Roses, Def Leppard. Yeah, they're cover Church, songs. You know, Christian yeah. worship songs. Yeah, yeah they're, like... they're songs that we sing here at the Christian Life <clears throat> Center. So if you are interested in that, you can go to our website, clcfamily.church slash media. And if you scroll down, you'll actually see kind of on that page, there's kind of a, a click that'll bring you to our SoundCloud, but it also will allow you to hear those songs by yourself. And uh, Christian's in here. Are you able to download those as well? Like, can you download? I think you can download them for offline there listening you if you want go. to. So yeah. you can put them Make on your- Make yourself a mixtape for your girlfriend. <laughs> If you still do that. No, people still do that. That's true. Yeah, it's just not a mixtape anymore. But anyway, so that is kind of the announcements that we have. Thanks so much for joining us. We are ready to jump in. This past week, we started yeah. a brand new series. The short title was called Scent, but the longer title is the Official Scent Study Guide. So do you want to kind of bring us up to speed? Yeah, so it's kind of a, a play on the, again, there is no real Official Scent Study Guide book. So if you go to Amazon or you know, Barnes and Noble, you're going to be disappointed 
it's just a play on the old SAT study guides that you get, the bubble and the letters, you know, those preparations for those tests that define whether or not you're going to be successful in life or whether or not you can go to college or which co college, how much scholarship you can get, you know, the tests that, that deemed your value, right? You know, all those things. And so it's kind of play on that. But what we're looking at here is Jesus is literally about to give his first disciples a test, and it is the craziest test. He takes 12 people, splits them up in pairs, and sends them out without anything. Like no wallet, no cell phone, no food, no money, hence the wallet, no no hotel reservations. I mean, he sends them out. And so if he's going to do that, and that's going to be kind of the detonation button, the ignition switch that's going to start the whole kingdom, it makes sense that we go, okay, if he's about to do this, what does he do to prepare these people yeah. to be sent? Hence, we're going to pay real close attention to all the lessons Jesus teaches before uh, he does it. Now, we have the benefit of actually knowing he's about to do that. So we have a little bit more insider information than these first century apostles. They didn't know they were about to get sent out. But what is he going to do to prepare them? And the first thing he's going to do to prepare them is tell them they should listen. Yeah. Listen. Listen, and so so much of these first couple of weeks is, uh, in this new series is going to be about listening. You're hearing me talk about it this upcoming week, this idea that even in like a communications degree, there's not a class on listening. It's all about the, the different mediums about which you say something, and most of us are terrible at listening. What we do all the time around my dinner table, around your dinner table, you're not listening. You're just waiting to talk, and Jesus actually says the way by which you uh, – Experience faith. He tells us this through Paul that faith, which is our entrance, our key, you should know this now, into the kingdom of God. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing comes from the word of Christ. And so we're going to see what it's like to start to listen. And Jesus is so gracious to go, This is what listening does. This is why you should be hearers of the word first before doers of the word. This is what you should do. You should hear these things. And so he then tells us a really neat little parable. And he says, hey, I'm going to tell you a parable about the seed, but the seed's the word of God. Like that's what's going to go out and how you hear it and how you respond to it. It's going to tell you what's going on in your heart and whether or not the kingdom can be burst up, grow up out of you. It's a small little seed. And so we get to look at uh, the different types of hearers or non-hearers of Jesus's words and got to make some assessments in our own life about what kind of hearers we would be. And so I imagine we will revisit the different types, the ones with divided hearts and shallow hearts and hard hearts. And then the hearts in good soil, which I certainly hope is what we will become through what we're doing again here. Yeah. Hearing the word of Christ. So that's what we got to talk about. And then we'll get to talk about some more today. Yeah. So as we jump into this, one of the things that we did was we've been working through the book of Luke, as we've kind of already discussed, as if you're listening to this, you know, because we've been doing this for almost June, right? Yeah. So, I mean, we're, it's not quite a year, but it's like, it's coming, it's going to be a year we're soon. Like, yeah. Like we're like, you know, six, seven, seven months into it. Yeah. So we've Which been doing I'm loving, by the way. Yeah. So it's really nice. And well, that means you don't have to wonder what we're going to cover next, right? <laughs> like, yeah, one of the things you can be doing right now is you can go and start reading the next couple of verses. Right. Because I promise right. you, if you want to know where we're going, just see where we ended, which this week it was Luke chapter 8, verse 15. And yeah. guess what we'll start with next week? 16. Al right? Although this week there was a slight change. Like you started and it made me go, well, whoa, we are in Romans? Luke, we're right? in Romans. Yeah. Yeah. You said op you're like opening to Romans. And I'm like, oh, man, he's what's he doing? I think we're going to get there. But you did start in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 17. Yeah. 
Did you want to kind of talk through more of that? And, and what I would say to anybody listening is that we don't want this to be kind of the first time you're hearing the message. What we hope is that this is a continuation from what we talk about on Sunday. So uh, I wouldn't expect Josh or don't want him to kind of repeat everything that he said on Sunday because otherwise it just becomes a little bit redundant, right? Like we talked about it once, now we're going to do it a second time. But was there anything there that you wanted to highlight more? Because this this really set up what we were talking about in Luke, the passage of the soils. Yeah, so, you know, we've been talking about faith for a while, which yeah. is such an important part because Jesus is going to establish that faith is the way by which you're in the kingdom. By Jesus alone, faith alone, he offers us grace alone, right? So faith is, as we said over and over again, the key into the kingdom. And what we've told you is, you know, faith is, starts with Jesus, not with us. You can't manufacture it. So Jesus pumps that faith in us, so we should be ready for that, right? And the second thing is it doesn't have to be perfect. Our theology doesn't have to be perfect. This isn't about arguing right and wrong theology. The folks who first accessed this faith did not have really good theology. In fact, they haven't even all believed, these 12 apostles, that he's the Christ. Yeah. yeah. Yet they're still following him. So it doesn't have to be perfect. And the reason being is the third point is that it has everything to do with the object in which you place your faith and very little to do with the certainty of your own faith, right? So it's all about placing your faith in Jesus. So, right, that starts with Jesus. Doesn't have theology doesn't have to be perfect, and it's about not about certainty, but about the object, the person you place your faith in. So you go, okay, I get all that. Well, now, how do I do that, right? Like, okay, what? It, okay, now what? Okay, I understand it. Now what? And then it's really, really nice as Paul tells us the now what. He kind of yeah. goes, here's why faith is so important, because he says, he says the way by which you Jesus initiates that faith. Faith, faith it says in verse uh, sixteen or seventeen. Particularly, he says, so faith comes from hearing, yeah. meaning this is so profound that the initiation of Jesus' move in your life, the initiation of Jesus' move in Saul's life, that it became Paul, was these words, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It began with hearing. Wow, I am persecuting Jesus. So it starts with hearing, actually comprehending is what the word means, from, from hearing. And what are we supposed to be hearing? Hearing from the word of Christ. So what we tried to help you understand in terms of how this plays out, how do we leverage faith for both living in the kingdom and also ushering in the kingdom for other people, right? So it starts with this. First you hear about it. Then you think about it, right? So you're hearing and then thinking, which is changing the way you think. Go, is that true? Am I really persecuted Jesus? First you hear about it. Then you think about it. After you start to think about it, what naturally should happen is you start to speak about it. This is what Paul is saying. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Faith comes from hearing, so you hear about it, you think about it. After you think, that's where metanoia, the repentance, change the way you think comes from. Uh, think about it, then you speak about it, and guess what happens when you speak about it? You bring about it. And you go, that doesn't make much sense unless these words are true, which means the way that faith is initiated is by what? Hearing. What's required for hearing? Speaking, right? And yeah. so there is something so crazy and counterintuitive, but yet so true in the scriptures that it comes from hearing, then thinking, then speaking, then bringing about what I shared this past Sunday. That's just so beautiful. As you start to speak about it, you're bringing about it. But guess what else is happening? Someone else is hearing, hearing yeah. about it. So there's something so important about learning to hear, then think, then speak. In that order, by the way, not waiting to speak, hearing, listening, thinking, speaking, and that that both biblically just and interpersonally, like you're gonna have better relationships if you actually hear what the person's saying, think about what they're saying, yeah. then 
uh, offer, uh, you know, a response, right? So this isn't, we, we get this, and yet the scriptures are going, no, 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 this is greater than just you having good interpersonal relationships. This is how the kingdom of God is ushered in. And I would guess most of us haven't considered that the, the greatest way we get to usher in the kingdom of God is by speaking about yeah. it. You just go, let, you see it? let me just show you how this plays out because the way that it plays out is these words out of your mouth are not your words. They're the words of Christ in the form of a seed in people's hearts. And what they do in their hearts is going to determine how the seed grows and how the kingdom expands. Yeah. So really pretty profound in this cute yeah. little analogy that Jesus offers. And I feel like what, what's interesting is that, so we, we got to look at Romans. We got to use scripture to kind of understand scripture, right? Like, so kind of setting the background a little bit of going exactly that. So hear it, think about it, speak about it, bring about it. But what's interesting is that the disciples, as they're hearing, they, they didn't have Paul's words yet, right? Like, this is now they had Jesus who was walking the earth and kind of talking with them. And what's so interesting is that this is a conversation. This is one of the parables Jesus explains to his disciples. So they're getting kind of a crash course while we got kind of yeah. the opportunity to kind of know what Paul said. And we could kind of do a little bit more of a background and kind of understand it. But I wonder what it was like for the disciples who were hearing that for the very first time. Yeah. So I don't think it was. Uh, probably that revolutionary as mm. we think it is because that's how all communication happened. Then. Yeah, that's true. There was no internet. Yeah. There was no reading. There weren't daily newspapers. Yeah. There wasn't a printing press. There weren't books. How do you get information? Yeah. It's spoken. It was a yeah. spoken word. And so when we think about God speaking his word, they would have understood that because they would have thought about the prophets. I mean, for them, yeah. this is, of course, this is how we hear about God yeah. and respond to God. It's actually a little bit stranger for us because we now figured out a way to nail and scale the word of God into right. nice books and lots of different translations printed and distributed all over the place. And so for them, and it makes sense. What's really funny about this, and this is kind of behind the scenes. This wasn't my original thought, right? I actually almost sent him an email about it. It's not a guy I know. His name is Brandon Adams. And okay. he, um, he does the Dog Nation Daily podcast for the Georgia Bulldog Network, right? So <laughs> every day I log into the podcast. It's an hour long. It's I was not sure where you're going. Yeah. You're like Dog so, Nation. And Dog Nation, Georgia Bulldog, Dog Nation, which is interesting. I just point out some stuff. We have time to invest in the kingdom yeah. of God because I have time to spend an hour, not less than two times a week, so 30 minutes, listening to Brandon Adams talk about the Georgia Bulldogs from Dog Nation Daily is what it's called, right? And he was talking about how we understand this. One thing he said, he said, we know this and people do this. They What they speak about is what they bring about. Yeah. And I was like, you know, like we understand that philosophically. Like we, yeah, right. we even have these sayings we say to ourselves, and you know, um, athletes do these things. Like they're saying these things because yeah. what they're saying is actually what the, what's getting going into their heart. Now, he, I mean, he's he is a believer. Uh, doesn't talk a lot about his faith on on the air, but you know, just yeah. lost his dad. Talked about some of that stuff. But anyway, so what he speaks, he's saying what you speak about. I'm like, oh, so I'm coming in on a Thursday morning, a day behind on the podcast, and I always finally put together my notes. So I had the rest of it, but I didn't have like the pithy, here's what it looks like. And then on Thursday morning, he talks about it. I'm like, ah, that's it. That's it. That is actually it. We get that cognitively. So this yeah. is it. What we speak about is what we bring about. And he was talking about like recruits, Georgia <laughs> football winning the national championship. Can I get an amen? You know? But anyway, so when you see all these things, that's what we got here. You got to hear about. And so I think it's pretty more, it's probably more revolutionary to us yeah. than it was them. And there's another kind of caveat that makes it complicated. Um, it feels really uncomfortable as the preacher talking about this because what I'm saying is, listen, you listen, listen to me. 
listen to me. Look up here and listen to me. Because God says you should listen to me, right? Like, yeah. So it gets a little weirder because what I'm telling you to listen to is the word of Christ. But somehow, and I don't mean it arrogantly, right. somehow God has decided to leverage these words out of my mouth right. to all of us. And I am not special. And I promise you, there's no one in this world, except for me and my wife, who knows that as well as I do about how not special I am in all these things, right? And so that feels a little uncomfortable, but every single time, like if you want, if you don't see me during the first song or second song, or if you do catch me sitting down, it's not because I don't want to sing, but I'm literally sitting before God and it's the same thing. Like, God, I cannot believe that you would allow me to do this. Like I tremble, like I have deep anxiety, lots of stomach issues before every sermon. I really, really do. And the last thing I always say is, God, I just... I understand that I'm just an instrument. Would it please, please, please be your breath? Like, would you please fill my lungs with your breath? Because otherwise, this is this is completely pointless. And so there is something about the spoken word of God. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. There's something in this that is transformational and supernatural. And I think first century folks have understood that better than we do because there's just so much content we can consume. Yeah, I think it's an interesting thing to point out because you're right. Like we have tons of different media outlets. Yeah. Like news comes to us. We don't have to search for it, right? Mm-hmm. Like I remember growing up, like you had to find it or wait till the six o'clock news or, or whatever it was. But uh, but it would have been different in that time, that culture. Yeah. And even the the weight of a teacher or rabbi's words, I'm assuming would carry much more weight because here's somebody that's probably more educated yeah. and more knowledgeable and more understanding than you are. So as your rabbi or your teacher spoke, I'm sure that as a disciple, you would be leaning into that. And there weren't fact checkers. Yeah, there was right. just what this guy says is true, which I think you should do some fact checking. I think you should go, not Josh, word of God. Right. 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 And now, now imagine this. Now imagine they get a whisper yeah. that someone had gotten a hold of some holy words that this week they were going to read these holy words out loud. So this is so strange that they would have been packing into a synagogue or yeah, to a house right. going, we got the holy words. Like it's yeah. just so different. So Seth Godin, I think it's who says it. I don't know. But he says the 20th century was all about gathering information. Mm-hmm. And the 21st century is all going to be about sorting it. Yeah. And we get that. And we don't know where to get our news from. We yeah. don't know what's real or fact. Right, right. We don't know who to listen to. And so it gets more and more complex. And that's why we feel the burden as a church to go, we should be curators of yeah. the stuff. And we should be a point of true certainty in people's life. And that's where we're going. But it's not us. It's the word of God. So let's go to the place that says that they'll give it to us so that we can have certainty, which is why we are going verse by verse and letting the scriptures be that which speaks. So as we read, certainly hope the scriptures are kind of impaling you in your soul. Yeah. And then the commentary is just affirming what the spirit is already doing inside that. Yeah. Yeah. And you had talked about Jesus at this point has a critical mass like following, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So as as word spreads, like oh he, here's Jesus, people are gathering, and that brings us kind of to Luke eight verse four. It says, uh, and when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable. So I'll read the parable, and then we'll kind yeah, of dive nice. into. So he it. does the whole thing collectively. Too. Yeah, it's like, oh, right. Yeah. It says a sower went out. To sow his seed, That's and funny. as he sowed, this is like a farmer. Just says, this yeah, is like go right. sow your wild oats, go make yeah. you know. And so yeah, I didn't talk about that on Sunday because I don't have time and don't want to get off the and track. As <laughs> he sowed, some fell along the road and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Verse six, and some fell on the the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Verse seven, and some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and it choked it. And verse eight, and some fell in good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, he who has ears, let him hear. So we'll pause there. Like, 
This seems like such a bizarre, like... It is. So like, let's listen and lean in, and then Jesus it's like... Here. He's going to oh. beat us. He's going to bring Dabio back to life. No, he's going to tell a kid's story. And then he's going to say, whoever has ears... Uh, what? Presumably, that's everybody there. <laughs> right? Like, I have ears, Jesus. You know? Like, what? <laughs> it's so strange. Like, it, it is so strange. And yet, I'm like, I'll oh, read the scriptures. They're so funny. It's so beautiful. And so, if you can imagine being in the first century... And you have just decided, it said, uh, when a crowd gathering, it says some people from town up to them, they left their jobs. Yeah, right. Like, they right. were doing all sorts of, presumably, these might be the first words. One of these folks, first here, right? And so they're going, I just brought my whole family to this. And he, that's it? What did he just say? That's it? Like, is this what he always does? Like, yeah, right. I, I came for the food and the healing. And you're, what? You know, like, so this is like, you just. This is Jesus is speaking to real people. Yeah. And they're capturing this for the first time and they're hearing this. And the big idea, which they don't get yet, is he who has ears, let them hear him. Let them yeah. hear, right? Okay. So there's something about hearing. And that word ears, they would have understood at least. So this is the first thing that would have made sense to them. It literally means those who can comprehend. Yeah. Right? Those who understand. So those who have understood the words that were just spoken. So if you can understand this. You can hear it. But guess what? We know the disciples are going to ask him what it means. Guess what that means? They couldn't understand it. And though they couldn't yeah. understand it, guess what that means for the whole crowd? Yeah. They can understand it. So when they hear, right. he has ears on them here, and they're going, Got it. Uh, uh, I have no idea what's going on. I guess he yeah. wasn't talking to me. He's talking to you. Who's he talking to? Right, so right. basically, he just, he just shrunk the whole crowd down to no one, except for some farmer who's like, I get you, brother. You know, whatever that is. That's just, he has ears, let him hear. So it's pretty funny to think about Jesus offering these words in a parable. And this is so gracious. He very rarely, if ever, does this. He's going to go, okay, let me tell you what each of these parts mean. Yeah. So, so uh, we do have some questions. I want to get to mm -hmm. that. I think we should probably finish out that text because uh, some of these questions are a little bit more specific yeah. on right. on things the that you would types say. Of heart, yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, this is what verse 9 says. It says, and when his disciples asked him, what is this? Uh, and when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Well, great. <laughs> now the parable is this the seed is the word of God. The one. So let's stop real, real okay, quick. So one thing I just want to point out there is do you see what he's talking about here? Like we keep thinking that Jesus came to talk about salvation. Salvation was the medium for what he actually came to talk about. Salvation was the vehicle to get what he actually came to do. He didn't come to save us. He came to establish the kingdom of God, yeah. right? And so this is what he's, this is his whole mission. Like over and over again, 90 something times in the gospel, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, in some way Jesus references, is going to talk, and that's what he's talking about here. So here he's saying, what you're trying, what I'm trying to explain to you, isn't just about you. It's about the kingdom of God. What all of you long for, and even the ones that didn't know they're longing for it, they knew that they were longing for something other than the kingdom of Caesar. Yeah. Right. And so again, a lot of Luke is this direct contrast between some things. And so every time they would have heard kingdom of heaven or kingdom of earth, they would have immediately contrasted it with their current state. Right, right. So he's going, the secrets of the kingdom of God. And they're going, that's what we've been looking for. Is it here? Are we here? What do we do? Yeah. So they're pretty intrigued. And so he's going, 
Okay, now you can understand this is what I'm talking about. This is your entrance being faith. The faith comes from hearing into the kingdom of God, like in his kingdom. And so then he's going to talk about how does the kingdom happen and what he's going to do here, really, really important, as he's going to talk about it in the terms of a seed and growth yeah. and patience, meaning Jesus' kingdom, which doesn't make a lot of sense to us, doesn't come in the way that earthly kingdoms do, yeah. right? It starts small, but even though it seems small, he's never doing something small. So he's going to talk about it, and then he's going to say what we just said, is the seed is the word of God. So kingdom of God is the big plant. It's yeah. the big plantation. It's the uh, big, sorry, I don't know if that's an offensive term in that. I didn't, I'm not trying to stop. If it is, sorry, I don't mean it that way. I just mean like the big orchard. There we go. The big orchard in those things. So the, the seed of God is what grows into, uh, can grow into the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God starts, starts, starts as a seed. And he goes, the seed is just the word. Yeah. So this thing is the way by which it all grows. Yeah. And so that's what he's trying to establish. And not everybody gets this, but the ones who get the secret, they understand that it's going to grow. And where it's going to grow from is from a seed, a little seedling. And that seedling is this, out of my mouth, into you. Yeah. In that, is there anything there? Like, so it says, so the disciples, you know, you've been giving, uh, like to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but others, parables, so that they're seeing and they may not see, that they're hearing and they may not understand. Is there anything significant in that that we see or should maybe understand either as believers or as, you know, if we're even, if we're skeptical looking in, what does that even mean? Like, what is... What is Jesus kind of explaining? Because he's, he says that before he explains the parable. Yeah, so I think there is something here. I really do. It's a good question. Uh, the seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. I think I think when we think about how the kingdom of God is supposed to happen, we feel this, and I feel it right now with, you know, dear loved one of our church, that little one who passed away, uh, you know, last week, a, a week, a little over a week ago, and like with cancer and then COVID and just a mess. And I fully thought that God was going to heal them. I just did this side of heaven. And there's this burden in me that somehow I have to defend God and his goodness in this because it's just so painful. And so like over and over again, I'll just be laying in bed thinking about what I'm going to say at this, at this you know, memorial service. I love Annette Lewin. Like I loved her, loved her heart, loved her courage, loved her family. And, and I just feel this pressure to defend God. Like somehow that's my role in this, which is, you know, C.S. Lewis says something weird like this. He says, like, trying to defend God is like a lamb trying to defend a lion. <laughs> you know, it's like that kind of imagery. And so I feel that pressure. And I think we do. I think those of us who get it, particularly if we have loved ones who don't, the idea is right. we got to convince them. Right. we got to convince them. And it comes from a place of deep compassion and genuine sincerity, right? Yeah. A little bit redundant in that second term, right? But, but what I think is what I'm hearing here is I, I think it alleviates – and require the pressure and requires us not to feel the burden to think that it's our job to convince people because he's going. Some people, yeah. even though it's right in front of them, aren't going to see it. Some people, even though it's right in your ears, are not going to hear it. And then he's going to explain to us why they're not. Right? Yeah. So now we're going to see what's going on with different people's hearts yeah. in this. So he's just basically preparing us for the disappointment of hoping that everybody's going to get this. And at times, at times, some aren't. Yeah. Because you're not going to be able to hear it, right? And so that's where we have to figure this out and go, well, how do we help that? And then just say, yeah, yeah, we're almost there. We're almost there. But what I want to guard us from is this immediate connection to, okay, how do I help the seed get in someone else's heart? Yeah, go, right. No, 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 no. The first step is making sure 
the seed is completely yeah. in good soil in our own heart. We will get there. Remember, this is the official scent study guide. There will be a yeah. moment where we'll be sent. Yeah. But not yet. Not yet. Right now, this focus isn't how do we help other people hear it? How do we help other people see it? No, no, no. This focus right now for all of us is how do we make sure this roots and fruits in our own yeah. life first? Because that's where it's going to help for other people to hear it and see it. Right? The evidence of that in our life. But it has to start with how does this happen in me, not how do I convince others? So I think it's a pretty important thing that he's going to establish that going, some people aren't going to see this right now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. okay that's my, not my job. And I feel like that's such a challenging verse because like uh, on the outside, it's easy to say, okay, yeah, I can understand that not everybody's going to accept Christ. Like not everybody's going to hear and understand some people just won't. Yeah. However, like when you start to think about the people that you know and you care for and what you've probably experienced in Christ, that's really challenging. Like that's something difficult to walk through. How do I like, is it, do I just kind of rest in that and go, yeah. okay, well, God's going to do what he's going to do. But then the alternative is going, well, if I can't do anything anyway, what what could I even try and do? Like, yeah. if it's not resting in, what what so, responsibility? So do that's I have? really helpful. And here's what I'm saying: uh, I'm not saying that they're not going to be able to hear it, right? And I'm not going to say I'm not saying that you're not going to be able to share it, right? What I'm saying is that is way down the road, before, well after the Lord allows the real yeah. kingdom of God to root and fruit in you, right? So. I'm not saying they won't get there. I'm not saying they won't get saved. I'm not saying that they're yeah. down for all eternity. None of those things. In fact, hear me. I wholeheartedly believe that person that's in your mind right now, the Lord's going to reveal himself to. And I believe with that deep conviction, he's going to use you in their life to do it. There's just a, a proper way to go about that. And it starts with yeah. dealing with our own heart and allowing the seed to take root and fruit in that first yeah. and trusting him as he grows it in you that he is capable of doing that in others as well um so i want to continue on so uh verse 11 i'll just reread that one it says now the parable is is this the seed is the word of god verse 12 the one along the path or the ones along the path are those who have heard then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved 13, unless you want to go individually. Yes, uh, yeah. well, let me just get through it all then. Uh, 13, and ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time, in the time of testing fall away. 14, and as for those that fell among the thorns, uh, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked out by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. Verse 15, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart um, and bear fruit with patience. Yeah, so there's a lot there. Uh, yeah, there's Tim a lot Keller there. Uh, preached a sermon that was really helpful. It was like in 1992. I didn't listen to it then. I found it later. I, I, he has a, a, there's a website that offers the stuff called Gospel and Life and gospelandlife.com. And most of the sermons like 99 cents or whatever. And he preached on this and helped really form those three thoughts of divided hard and shallow. And he did it in 30 minutes. Show <laughs> off. But anyway, I mean, and so that I was I, really, really grateful for his kind of words there. Kind of going, that's yeah. it. And so those aren't even my three terms. He was really helpful in forming that. But in that, I think that's what we really see. And I think when we talk about it intuitively, we go, yep, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Like maybe we hadn't put those words on it, but we see that pop up. We're going, 
That makes perfect sense. Yeah. So I've always taught this wrong because I always thought it was. This is about evangelism. One in four, yeah, one right. pure. I just keep throwing the seed. Wait, that's poor stewardship. But unless you have infinite seed, which God does, and it's not poor stewardship, right. keep, keep sending it out. I'm not the you know, producer of the seed. I'm just the sharer of the seed. And, but I, in all those times, I always bypass my own heart in it, thinking about other people's. And like even in student ministry, I, you know, yep, Rocky Hart, you know, that kind of yeah, thing. Right. I just felt like I was, uh, you know, classifying people and putting them in their categories as opposed to going, okay, I don't think this starts with others anyway. Mm -hmm. This starts with us. And if we were to go and actually think about these things, my guess is, I hope it is, because that's what the Lord does, that this was convicting to us to go, oh, yep, I can see where that is. And so now we just have some understanding of why this was so hard for us and why it's so hard for others. And so that first one he talks about, you know, the ones that belong to the past, who, those who have heard. So this means they've heard. Now we read in Romans, started the sermon that everybody, this has been presented in some form or fashion to every single human being in the history of the world. God has made himself known, right? And so you go, well, why aren't they responsive to it? And it says, well, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so they not, but not, may not believe and be saved. And so there's just something about this heart. So we can, we can literally see it's like the seed falling in this hard, rocky pathway. And, you know, the pathway where people walk a lot and it gets beat down. There's yeah. no tilling. And, and court, this type of seed is not the type of seed that can root and fruit from on top of the soil. It's got to get in. And so a lot of this is like this brick that just keeps bouncing off of. And so this is where I think clearly this is a hard heart, yeah. right? And I can think about this. I got to think about even imagining, you know, one of the responses to like the apologetics is we think about these great atheists who have come to some conclusion scientifically that try to disprove God. And like this idea that this is all intellect is just not accurate. And we want to we want to boil it down to all intellect, yeah, right. but there is something experiential about this, and so that hard heart is one that can't actually see or experience this. And there are some of us who, you know, you know classified ourselves as Christian. We see this a lot. Of, read a lot of a lot of interesting things about deconstructing the Christian faith, particularly in like an LGBT community. And there'll be some kind of kind of conversation about these folks who are in you know Christians and they grew up in youth group and they believed all these things and then there's this life experience that happened they weren't accepted or they were told they shouldn't do something all of a sudden they just turned their back on it and it's like how does this one moment someone dies this one moment just kind of wash all that away and it's like i think it's because we just grasped it with our head yeah but it's never made that 18 inch journey from yeah. here to here like some so there was that hard heart is the one where it's only hit the head but never landed yeah. in the heart and i think we all just have evidence of People like that in our lives, the people that have kind of turned their back on it, and they just would say, like, hey, this is about us person. Like, have you seen and known the Lord's grace in your life? And if not, would you just go, God, I want to be hearers of that. I want to understand that. Here are my ears. Could you speak that into me? But what's going to happen as you do that is the first step of that is he's going to reveal to you how much you don't deserve it. Hmm. Like, what comes up first, what bubbles up first is this. This is the wretched parts of me. Yeah. And what you do with that, whether you can push through and go, yep, that's true about me. But yet the grace of God is still available to me. Many people just go, nope, that's not who I am. You're not going to tell me how broken I am and just shut down on that point. But I would just argue, could you just push a little bit further and let that seed come in? Because that's kind of the, the lie from the enemy. That's the deception. Go, no, you're, you're beautiful and perfect just the way you are. Nope, you and I aren't. That's actually why Jesus showed up, because you're not perfect. You're not beautiful just the way you are. 
There is a beauty that God sees in you and desired for you, and yet we walked away from that. So there's a step one, which is an understanding the depravity of us. And then the step two of receiving the grace that comes with it. And that's why Paul says, I am not offended by the gospel of Jesus Christ, or I'm not ashamed. Same kind of word. Because it's his power that saves me. It's a hard message, but it starts with allowing that to permeate our heart, not just our head. Yeah. And I, I thought that was one of the things that you said on Sunday was that, um, you know, if we're just trying to wholeheartedly, intellectually understand this is such a crazy story that I think I even called it can't. the stupidest story in the world. Yeah, like, oh, like this is not, this oh, is I, I wrote yeah. down crazy. Like you yeah. won't because this is crazy. Like it's in, it's insane to understand. And it's so counterintuitive to every other established right. kingdom. That's every right. other st- kingdom is established by force. Yeah, is by force, force and shed blood. We know yeah. that new territory in the history of the world is established by shed right. blood, right. force and shed blood. So uh, when we think about the way that God takes new territory, it's the same force. Yeah. God demands justice and shed blood. Now, the beauty of it is it's not our blood that was shed. It was Jesus. But that's the way the territory is taken to. We have to come to grips above those things. God deals rightly and justly with our sin, force, and he is so gracious and kind to us and shed blood through Jesus is what he said about sin. So it's it's that combination. But you've got to understand the first to be able to receive the second. Did you want to talk more about the shallow heart? Yeah, so the the next one I think would be the shallow heart, which... I mean, I, we got people. I mean, what's interesting is I can kind of see myself in all these journeys. I, I feel like I so it's not like yeah. here's where I am yeah. right now. Here's the, the one I'd kind of go. Here's the one I want to highlight for our church. This is the one I think we're really doing with. That's the divided heart. But the shallow heart is literally what it says here is the they heard the word, received it with joy, and but they had no root. They believed for a while, and in the time of testing, they fell away. They actually yeah. believed this, right? Like so, there's something that it goes and it starts, 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 starts to actually make and form roots in their in their heart, yeah. right? So this wasn't intellect. You actually made it in there. Yeah. Made it in there. But then, 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 all of a sudden, things didn't go the way you thought it would. And mm-hmm. what I said, what I think is really true, is this wasn't you being invited into Jesus' kingdom. This was you inviting Jesus into your kingdom. Mm-hmm. Big difference. Not yes. the kingdom of God, kingdom of Josh that Jesus gets to be a part of. So the, 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 the thought was, Jesus really did give me a mulligan. He really did offer me grace and forgiveness. Yeah. Wow, what a great God. Now he'll make my life better. Wait. He didn't save my marriage. He didn't heal the cancer. You know, those things. In fact, we understand that the roots come from the, the, the long suffering in this. And so we know a lot of people who raised the hand, prayed the prayer, did the dunk, right? But then weeks, months, years walked away. And they'll point to a moment in their life. We'll point to a moment in their life where we go, it was that pain. It was that sorrow. It was that molestation. It was whatever that was. That goes, there's no way a good God would allow that. And so... We walk away because Jesus didn't make our earthly lives any better, which is why it's important to remember. He didn't come to establish an earthly kingdom to make your earthly life better. He came to establish a heavenly kingdom, and it starts with a little bitty seed, and then it grows. And so you got that one. And then the next one is kind of the divided heart. And these are folks who have have experienced the long-suffering of life, and they really do believe this, right? Like, this is where most of our church category is. They have come to face-to-face with their own depravity. They accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, and it is true. But what I want you to notice about this one, which is so different than the rest of, of them, is like they, uh, um, when they hear it, they, uh, they are those who hear but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches of pleasures and life, and their fear does not mature. This is so interesting yeah. because it's actually the things that I think are going to bring them joy and pleasure that actually ruin their life. 
But you see the ones before, they actually had some joy. Yeah. There was a moment of joy. They had some joy and the bad stuff happened. They're going, no, I'm done. These are us. These are the, these are us people who don't really even have any joy in the gospel. We're like, we're going to believe it. Yes, I'm going <laughs> to give my tithe money. Yes, I'm going to go to church. But I wish I didn't have to, right? There's just yeah. there's just an absence of joy in some of this because because we have this divided heart and this divided life that we're not sure where to put our hope and our trust. And we're talking about our things and in our own identity and our own performance. And usually, usually the people that fall in this category are people like in our church who are um, middle to upper middle class, maybe a little higher, who are highly educated who have lots of accolades and lots of stuff on their resume. Yeah. Frankly, they're pretty good at performing in the earthly kingdom. They've been they've been celebrated for that. I've been celebrated yeah. for my behaviors and my performance and my grit, right? right. All those right. different right. things. And so we have this double-mindedness that doesn't know if it's us or if it's God. And yeah. that is tormenting because the divinity and humanity are kind of all circling around in here or yeah. in here. And it feels like a divided heart. And so my guess is, that probably explains a lot of your struggle in the Christian faith. It's not that you don't believe it. Not that you don't believe one day you'll be in heaven. But you thought it would be beautiful here. I actually wrote down something I thought would be pretty funny. And I know you got a question. Yeah, I do. I've got a question yeah. regarding but, that. But the, it's a Charles Spurgeon analogy. And he talks okay. about Christians and kind of this type of Christian. He said, the interesting about Christians is Christians will, they will hop on the boat and go, I know where the destination is. And I can't wait to get to the destination. God is so good. And they just long for that day, but they forget about him during the night. And they fall and they bust their head on the boat and they're all bloody and crippled. And their whole journey to the destination is miserable. Now, one day they'll get there, but their whole journey on the boat is miserable. Yeah. And that's the kind of what we have here in this divided heart. We know yeah. where our allegiance stands, but for some reason, we just hardwired in us is this this humanity that requires yeah. us to perform and cling to things that we do. And that's the hard one. That's yeah. the hard one to kind of wrestle through. So Yeah, I feel like there's two questions that were asked by two different people. Um, and I'm, I, I think I want to ask both of the questions yes, like in, in the same yeah. one that kind of are talking through that struggle. How do I, how do I live into, you know, giving God my problems yet at the same time, not, not just sitting back because don't think that God just wants us to do nothing. So yeah. How do I actually enjoy the boat ride and participate in the boat ride? Not just be bloodied up while I'm waiting to get there. Yeah. So someone said that, you know, uh, the sermon today touched on something that they had been wrestling with, um, and how to find or save a struggling relationship. Um, and they say that they've come to the realization that they can't do anything to save it, that if it's to be saved, that it can only happen by God. Um, but on the other hand, they're pretty sure that God doesn't want them to just kind of sit around and, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. eat bonbons or I don't even know what bonbons are, but I've heard that before. But like yawning at, you know, in yeah. front of the television. Um, uh, how do you, so the question is, how do I find the balance of taking responsibility for my life and turning these difficult problems over to God? And then even what you were just talking about kind of talks about like the intellect and the problem solving ability that he feels like God has given him yeah. and made a career. Why out does of. he give me these gifts if he doesn't want me to use them? Yep. Exactly. So it, he, and kind of identifies that maybe even some of those things are part of the reason why the struggles relationship. And so the question kind of wraps up and by saying, how do I honor God and his wishes, utilize the gifts he gave me, but still take responsibility for my life? And then the other question, it's a little bit shorter in that sense, um, is it says, I was raised by the greatest generation that went through World War II, uh, put this country back on its feet via hard work, ethics, and the like. So I was taught to work hard, save money, be independent, care for yourself, and the like. I ended up with a divided heart. 
that places great value on self-reliance. My question is, how do I undivide a divided heart? Oh, so, so how do I, you know, use that? But then also the second question is, how do I, if I find myself of identifying I am in a divided heart where I have a relationship, but the things are choking that out. So, sorry, that that is two separate questions, but so maybe focus on the first one for now. No, those make sense to me. And I'd say great questions and let me know the answers yeah. when we get to them because <laughs> they'd be really helpful in my life. Yeah. So, Josh, Church. I look forward to you navigating through it and figuring it out and telling me. Um, in most ways, I'm joking, but really, I think that is a tension to manage yeah. more than a problem to solve, which is interesting because you're going, hey, it's all problems. Help me solve this problem. Well, it's not really a problem to solve. It's a tension that you got to manage. You know, I just told you humanity, divinity are at war inside of you, right? Because you had this whole way of living, right? And the way that you typically explain it is like through, imagine a, an orphan being adopted, a teenage orphan being adopted in an orphanage, and let's, let's say in a foreign country, where they had a tyrant of an orphan care person, yeah. the, the house manager or whatever, who was abusive and mean, mean-spirited, and all those things, and treated the orphans like so right now. Let's imagine that I, I get to adopt that orphan, I go over there, and like, you know, papers, you know, because that, that orphan becomes my child, he or she, right? They become my child. I welcome them in. Hey, I love you. I establish you as my child. You're mine. No matter what happens, you're my child. Nope. They come to the hotel. They're my child. A little awkward for them. They kind of stumble through it. And now let's imagine that the orphan care guy comes and knocks on the door, opens it, and demands they come back. What does that person do? He starts walking out. I'm like, no, 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 come back here. You're my child. And imagine like the division of that. Wait, this has been the only thing I've known for as long as I've known it. Now you, wait, wait. So... Uh, that becomes hard. If that guy goes, give me 10 push-ups right now. I'm like, oh, you don't have to do push-ups. What does he do? Does he do five push-ups? Just to appease everything. It just gets messy. You know, imagine that we have to stay for a month. A month of him being my child. No, no, you're my child. Boy, I love you. It's not about your performance. It's kind of thing. A month later, that same orphan care comes back. What do they do? Still kind of a little awkward and a little divided, right? And uh, But yet more to, okay, I trust it. Now it's six months, right? Now let's go 15 years down the road, right? And all of a sudden, that orphan care person shows up and they come and demand something does the person completely deny it no probably triggers something oh yeah. whoa this is all i know right and there's this moment of how did i revert to all those things right yeah. and yet less likely but still reality for me right. 30 yeah. years 45 years whatever those things are because there's this there's this master for yeah. so long and now they got a new master's the wrong word but a new loving heavenly father you know when, the way that the Bible describes it is it talks about sin being our master. But then when Christ comes in, what happens is sin is no longer your master. But cognitively, experientially, it still seems like it is. So literally, there is this response that we actually have to say no to our former master. So some of the help was actually hearing, thinking about, and then pausing going, what I used to do would be yeah. lean into my self-reliance. What I typically do right now is I'd solve that problem. No, 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 no. I got to hear it. Then I got to think about it. Then I got to speak about it. Sin's not my master. Literally, I'm talking about out loud. Sin's not my master. Right. No, no. Self-reliance is not my master. Problem solving is not my master. Performance is not my master, right? Like, that's actually what Jesus came to do. But it literally is beyond just natural and instinctive. And that's why you got to hear it. 
And when that pause, right, you know, that, uh, as Viktor Frankl says, the, the, the space between stimuli and response, that pause, you got to hear about it, think about it, and then speak it, maybe quietly to yourself, maybe in your head, maybe out loud. That's not my master. Hmm. And then, and then point your whole heart and your whole mind and all of your body to who your master is, right? And then bring about that change in your life. So literally, there is a, that's a tangible way. Now, um, the good news is, I imagine, oh, I so imagine that Jesus is understanding your questions here, knowing they're coming. And as he's preparing these missionaries, these apostles to be sent for the first time, he's imagining that they're going to revert to their old ways, yeah. go back into their own self-reliance. Because these were, these were hard, gritty people with some well-performed lives, some tax yeah. collectors or fishermen. You know, these are... These weren't just lazy people. These are right, these right. are people with grit, you know, and you know, and stubbornness. We see that play out. We see over and over again, Peter, particularly Thomas at times, revert back to the old way of thinking and doing that. So there's space and grace in that. But what we see over and over again, he's gonna imagine that. He's gonna imagine that he's gonna have to do some teaching to help them do that. And so the that would be the simple maybe answer to help you get through the, the next few days, right? Mm -hmm. Sin's not my master, self-reliance is not my master. You know, problem solving is not my master. That's mm. old me. That's old Josh. New me surrenders all these things to the Lordship of Christ because he's my master. He's my savior. He's my king. He's my care provider, right? So that might be helpful to actually think about it or hear and then or hear it, think about it, then speak it mm. as you bring about it. No, but what you'll see this week, which I think will be helpful, is the way that by which it actually works is we typically, both these questions lead to, is about our activity that eventually determines our identity, right? So our behaviors determine who we are. I'm self-reliant. I like to be known as that. I like to be known as the guy who gets crap and stuff done. So gets stuff done. And so I like that stuff, right? And but, but, but it's not our activity that determines our identity. What we're gonna see this week is we'll come back, we'll show back up, right? You don't think you don't put any money in the plate, it's fine. You can just come, like whatever that is. Yeah. But yeah, that what actually determines it is actually our identity should be first. That determines yeah. our activity. So he's got to get those back in the right order. And Jesus does something really weird because he. What happens is some folks come to him and goes, "Hey, your mom and brothers want to want to see you." And they're yeah. like, "He's like, these are my mom and brothers, right?" Yeah. Like, what? No, no, no. Do you hate? Them? Like, because he's he's establishing a new identity. So you'll see more yeah. of that. So in this process, what has to happen is we have to be firmly rooted, have this seed firmly planted in our heart that our identity is in Christ alone, not our yeah. performance. And then we accept the times that we mess up the order, and we go back, and we hear about it, we think about it, we speak about it, we bring about it. So hopefully that's helpful. Yeah. Oh, no, there's, some, there's some things to think about as we kind of replace identity leads to activity, opposed activity leads to identity. Yeah, I think that's good. I think there's yeah. a challenge. So I'm looking forward yeah. to Sunday. So I would just say, uh, please send us, if that doesn't answer your question, email oh, us. Oh, it answers your question. You're welcome. Like, and then this, this weekend, hopefully that continues to help. But as always, we're here. You can ask as many questions as you'd like to. And I'd just say thanks for articulating what all of us are struggling with. Yeah, right. I, absolutely. It is my daily struggle to re revert back. To, I mean, I even shared it this week. Like, I struggle with manufacturing a move of God because yeah. God gave me some gifts, and I don't think he wants me not to use them. Right. So how do I leverage those for the kingdom in a way that the Holy Spirit gets the credit? And I would just say if there's not space for the Spirit to get the credit, then it's probably your own self-reliance. Yeah. And so – we're in this together, so let's stumble through it together as well. So there's one other question, yeah. and this is kind of, uh, you had talked about this very briefly at some point in the message. I don't remember exactly yep. when, uh, but the question was this. It says, if the statement, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, is a lie, 
what is a better way to teach people how to defend themselves against name calling, bullying, and, uh, and sounds transmitted through the air that could potentially harm their mental state? And then kind of a continuation is, um, can these words that are offensive or hurtful be defined as violent? Should all words that are labeled as hateful be made unlawful and people uh, who say them to be uh, persecuted or prosecuted? Um, should someone who criticizes or disagrees with another and hurts their feelings be ostracized or canceled with no path to forgiveness offer, um, offered by the offended party? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, this gets a little political, so I'm yeah. going to guard against some of that not because I don't like politics. I love them, love them, love them, love them. Very interested in them. Read all the stuff I can about it. I want to be guarded about how we talk about these things in, in terms of camps and all that kind of stuff. And So I think we got two different things that we're talking about. One is... Uh, Language is getting more and more confusing yeah. right now. Like even language around gender gets really, really confusing. And in some ways, language is defer, uh, defining reality. And I'd say, here's another point of what you speak about is what you bring about, even if we yeah. don't like it. And so there's something about language that's really, really complicated right now. And uh, you rightfully, I rightfully would have, it, it makes sense that we have some e uneasiness around it. Yeah. And yet, yeah, yeah, there is a, a responsibility that I think we have in terms of words we use. For example, um, uh, 25 minutes ago, I'm talking about this orchard, and I use the word plantation, right? Um, to me, not an offensive term. I, I just meant it as in a large place where, you know, farming, different industry happens. Uh, but recently, there was a, a basketball coach who was talking about asking his players to stay on the plantation, meaning, hey, let's stay together. Now, there are, there are lots of African-American players on the team and had a hard time understanding what he's communicating, mm. Right. Because their ancestors on a plantation, man, they actually were enslaved there. Not at all what the guy was communicating, but definitely what was being received. And so I would just make sure that we understand what we're trying to communicate versus what people are hearing. Yeah. Very rarely perfectly overlap. You know yeah. this with your own, with, in your own relationships, right? And so that two different things. The sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. That's a lie. And the reason we know it's a lie is because words have actually really, really hurt us. Mm -hmm. But there are, there's two different things we got to talk about in terms of words hurting us. One's intent, and one is uh, reception. Yeah. You cannot be fully responsible for the reception ever, right. ever, right? But you can always be responsible for the intent. Yeah. So what I would say here is I think our, your, my number one responsibility is to be considerate with the intent of the words we're saying mm. and then be open to hearing how those words are received. Right, not, not because we need to change language, but one thing that Andy Stanley says, and I think it's brilliant and accurate, you got to decide in every interaction, particularly the one with tension in it, whether or not you want to make a difference or you want to make a point, right? And I think it's important that our goal is not to make a point, that zinger, boy, can I be sarcastic and cutting, and boy, can I shut a conversation up yeah. and make my point. But am I making a difference? Hmm. Probably not. So I'm not saying that uh, we should create a bunch of laws around language, but I do think we should create opportunities to be able to hear people well and understand what's going on in their heart. We do have kind of a culture of victimhood right now that we got to figure out what that's all about. But, but, but. And we do have a culture of sarcasm and dissent and disrespect, right? All that stuff's kind of going on. And those cultures clashing have created kind of a, a perfect storm of chaos and, yeah. uh, division and dissent. So as a result of that, how do we as Christians respond? Well, we 
actually mean what we say and we hear about it and we think about it we allow the kingdom of god to take root in our heart about it then we speak about it with love and grace and mercy right and so again that's that space between stimulant response where you can go into what is it i actually want to do here and is it helpful for the kingdom of god right and we can disagree on lots of different things but the way by which we disagree can be in a way that actually moves the ball forward in terms of community and love and ushering in the kingdom. And there's ways to do it in a way that actually stands against that. So again, can't always be responsible for, and in fact, rarely can be responsible for how something's received, right? Uh, But you can always be responsible for your intent in it. What I'll go back to over and over again is Jesus establishes the Sermon on the Mount where he's telling us what the kingdom of God is going to look like. And he says, blessed are the pure in heart for they'll see God. So can we, Hear that and think about it and check the motives of our heart with all the words we say and all the deeds that we do. And as you're going to see, so much of this is about allowing the kingdom of God to take root and fruit in our life and let the fruit be the evidence of the conversations we have. So very rarely are you going to see in the kingdom where we lead with our words. So the good news, you don't have to worry too much about whether or not you use the right words or wrong words because you really don't need to have to use that many words other than the declaration of God's goodness and grace, right? So the number one priority for us right now is allow the seed to come into our heart, allow it to root and allow it to fruit. Here's what we know about fruit trees. They're not for the tree itself. Never is it for the tree itself, right? The tree needs the fruit to eventually go away. So it it will just fall off and die. And so the fruit that we're producing here is actually for the people that encounter it. So what you're going to see here, which is going to answer a lot of our questions about how do I, wait, I thought I was supposed to be convinced. How I thought I was supposed to say this. I thought I was supposed to declare that. No, 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 no. What you're supposed to do is allow the gardener to plant the seed and prune you and care for you and water you as this fruit is produced. And then the people around you get to enjoy the fruit and keep coming back for more. That's that's where it, it comes from. It's from the fruit, not in the, yeah. you know, the language. So I understand the question. think it's a good one. But for now, I think we got to go, okay, how do we just let fruit, yeah. fruit, fruit, fruit in our lives? Th- yeah. Thanks for circling back because that's where I wanted yeah. to get to of going, man, that's a really good point. All we're supposed to do, that's our, our main responsibility is to let the word of God kind of bury down deep to root and then produce change and fruit in our lives. So yeah, uh, word of God in me, not yeah. word of Josh out of me, right? Word yeah, of God in right. me, not word of Josh out of me. And boy, do I mess that one up. Yeah. So I, I guess kind of in the, the closing moments, was there anything else that you wanted to get to that you ran out of time or just wanted to communicate? <laughs> no, let me tell a story real quick. It doesn't really count. And I just need, I just feel like I got a, you know, confession time. Let's imagine. <laughs> okay. Um, so one of the neat things about this, the ending of this message was, oh, and Jesus kind of describes these three different ways that the enemy kind of attacks, right? Mm-hmm. So the first one was, you know, the enemy just tries to deceive, right? You yeah. see that, like lands on the soil, can't get in because it this, it deceives and devours. I'm like, when Jesus was about to start his earthly, or his heavenly kingdom on earth, he goes out into the wilderness. And what happens? Yeah. The enemy tries to deceive and devour and, you know, taunt and yeah. tempt. And so the good news is, as you see this, Jesus has actually dealt with that. The second yeah. one is the rocky soils. And you go, he was literally murdered and then yeah. put in a tomb. And what kept him out from life anymore is this big, massive rock. So the enemy literally tried to put a giant rock to keep that seed from sprouting in our hearts. Mm-hmm. And then the third one, literally, it talks about thorns. It's like literally that they, they taunted him and called him the king of the Jews, like yeah. facetiously and put that 
thorns on his head and literally his blood. And so I was like, I just want to be able to see that our job is not to take care of the soil. Like yeah. our job is not to get all the stuff out. Our job is just to receive the seed, receive it with all that we can and let Jesus be the actual gardener. And so much about our faith is reflected in whether or not we think Jesus can take care of those things mm -hmm. as we receive the seed. So it's actually a pretty easy game plan for us. Receive the seed. Yeah. Receive the seed. Allow Jesus to do the watering and the pruning, right? Receive the seed. And so, and all that kind of stuff. I was like, ah, oh, it's so beautiful to talk about communion. So we transitioned to communion. Yeah, right. Okay, when Jesus talked about this is his body, this is his blood, he's literally going, if you receive me and I'm the one, and then you receive the caretaker in your life, I can start ministering to your heart and taking care of that soil. Literally, you invite Jesus in, right? So we talk about asking Jesus into our hearts. It's a weird term. When we think about the seed going in our yeah, heart, it makes right, sense that Jesus, right. the gardener, would be working on us. So then I'm taking a little communion cup and I'm going to open it. And those things are difficult. And I'm not real patient. So I go to open it and you, you got to be real careful when you open it because that little bitty piece of the field, you got to pull off to get the wafer. And I couldn't do it. My thumbs, I'm shaking. I'm like, oh gosh, the clock's running. I'm seven minutes over. And so I can't get it. And so literally, I'm so embarrassed. I faked it. I had to go back and eat it later. But I faked the wafer. I couldn't get it out of there. So I was like, take Jesus' body. And I'm literally doing this going, what in the world is wrong with me? And then I drink it. Did you fake chew? I wrong? did. I faked chew. I feel chew. like I need like, to go back and look at What is wrong with me? So I didn't know whether or not to say it. Because I, I mean, I wasn't trying to make light of the communion. Right. Moment. Like, right. very significant. Right. So right. I felt like the only person I could tell was my dad. So I typically go on Sunday afternoons. And my dad, at, at their pastor, I resigned. And they're searching for a new pastor. And so my dad's been doing a lot of the pulpit supply okay. phone there. And so I go and see if he's preaching and listen to his preaching. I like where you preach on Psyche, yes, I go and listen to that. There's a bunch of girls over her house because there's this best friends club. That's all the girls in the neighborhood. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, listen to my dad. They're like, he does what you do? I'm like, yeah, that makes <laughs> And so he actually led communion, and I saw him with the cup. So I called him later, and I was like, Dad, that's so funny. We have the same cups. But guess what? He's like, first, Josh, I got to tell you something. No. The last two times are I tried to do it, the last two times I tried to do it, I couldn't get the wafer out, and I had to fake it. <laughs> I'm going, Dad, me too. And I was like, oh, please do, Jesus. So neat that only my dad could be in the same spot as I am because it's so, like, weird and hardwired. So anyway, I, for your amusement, I was just here this morning as staff. We didn't have enough time. That's great. So thanks for listening to that. Is that not hilarious? So my dad actually done it twice. I'm did, did he fake you too? I, no, I didn't ask that much because I wanted to go, no, no, I want to tell my story. So I didn't want to hear what he had to say. I was waiting to talk, you know. But anyway, uh, so. Well, uh, that's that's the note that we're yeah. going to end yeah. on. So the apple doesn't fall far from the trees, the yeah. expression. So so we both have the same true. root. Same root. There it is. So, yeah. well, well, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we hope that you are challenged yeah. and encouraged and today especially um, maybe slightly amused uh, yeah, from, yeah. from overtime. Um, if you have any questions, email us overtime at clcfamily.church or you can text us 610-869-2140. Uh, that's it for episode 73. We hope to see you back next week and thanks for, thanks joining for your us. time. <laughs>